are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio. And we have Brennan and Dave and Jody. We'll hear from Craig and Hank a little later. A mixed bag today, for sure. Uh, we're going to lead things off with a new book that comes out in February. It's called Siegfried Dragonslayer by a local writer, Mark Allard, and amazing local artist, um, Jasmine Redford. And then uh, we'll hear from Craig and Hank, and they're going to talk about a uh, mayor of Kingstown, Euphoria Season 2, and they're going to talk about Book of Boba Fett. And we've been thinking that they would do this soon. So we prepared our list of our favorite bounty hunters and on their movies. So hopefully uh, you can come up with some good ones to suggest for us as well. So let's start with Mark's new awesome, Mark and Jasmine's new amazing book. Tell us about it. All right. So I had the, the opportunity to talk with uh, Mark Allard uh, for Punch TV, actually, so a bit of cross-promotion there about his upcoming book, uh, Siegfried the Dragon Slayer, with art by Jasmine Redford. And Siegfried the Dragon Slayer is a modern interpretation of the Volsung Saga. So the Volsung Saga is an epic Nordic poem dating back to uh, the 13th century. Um, very important in literature uh, because it's one of the oldest example of dramatic epic poetry that we have. It has sections of the uh, poem Edda in there, uh, I think I'm saying that right, which was lost until they found this saga. Um, but also, it's been the inspiration for Tolkien's The Hobbit and a lot of his writing. So there was a time a lot of British writers were looking back at other sagas and looking for different stories. So for example, I believe it was, uh, uh, Yeats was really into the, the Rig Veda and a lot of the, uh, the, the Eastern epics, right? And so we have this tradition of uh, English poets and writers in particular looking for other cultures and genres to be inspired from. So uh, I think Mark said it very succinctly when he said, the original saga has always been presented in a way that's collected dust in university libraries. And he said, it's such an important work. We should find a way to have it for a, a bigger audience. So he's doing his own modern interpretation of it uh, as a way of having this important work go out to a new audience, which is great. Mark is a writer. He's very passionate about the, the topic as he's actually created his own historically accurate, uh, quote unquote, Viking outfit, what they probably would have worn in the time period. Very detailed and, and uh, you know, very precise. Uh, Jasmine Redford is doing the artwork. And what's really distinct about the art, artwork is that she's doing painting with coffee. So um, I have a very good friend of mine who does photography with coffee. So she'll develop her film in that. And she's done large projects. She's been down to, I believe it was Nicaragua and did uh, installations and things there teaching this process. So it was really interesting to hear that Jasmine is doing the same thing with her artwork. So uh, she takes coffee and she paints with it and has to do different layers. And that you know changes the color palette and things that, that she ends up creating. Um, Jasmine's artwork is really distinct. It's really unique. It has this, this blend of, not cartoony, but kind of is like cartoony meets manga meets fantasy, but not like that at all. You can see sort of distinct elements of what she likes in her work, but she's found a way to make it very much um, of, of her own. If she, she would be brilliant to do a critical role comic if they ever needed an artist to do it. I think that'd be great for her. So the book is coming out 
uh, February 16th or 17th off the top of my head. Mark has made a trailer for it. It's, it's about a minute and a half trailer. Um, you can see it on Instagram under the Cuckoo Press monocle, I think is where I, moniker, I think is where I found it. It's uh, a great little trailer. He talk, you get to see some of the artwork. Um, you get to see Mark's passion for um, the subject matter that he's doing. Uh, it's coming out through uh, Renegade, the great Western Canadian comic book company who's sort of known for their art house, uh, one-off conceptual graphic novel. So they're not putting out a lot of things every month. Um, every year they sort of pick their top six to 12 books and that's all they, they release, right? So um, they're really focused on creator-owned projects. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Tales of the Buddha Before He Was Enlightened. Uh, that's one of the ones that I got at a Comic-Con. Not for the faint of heart, but I thought it was hilarious. And uh, they're just really known for really high quality, like I said, uh, creator-owned art house kind of thing. So if you're looking for something different, um, you know, a great Saskatoon-based writer and artist with a brand new project that I'm sure is going to get a lot of buzz, uh, go check it out. But yeah, and you can see artwork on the trailer. So go check it out. It's good. You will like it. Yeah. Money, back, money back guarantee. <laughs> it is good. Um, both Mark and and Jasmine are local and fantastic and are, you know, stalwarts in the scene. Jasmine actually did some artwork for one of the issues of Punch magazine. So pre-Punch TV, uh, she was part of our crew and did some really cool Transformer style uh, illustrations in that coffee so she's been doing the coffee thing for a while. I really like the coffee thing because it's uh, it looks to me like, well, what would you paint with if you didn't have paints? Like it feels real old timey, like 13th century, or if you had had paints, but you know, it's been seven centuries. So like the colors have all washed out. It gives a lot of texture. Apparently it is very difficult. It's a lot like working with watercolors because it is water essentially, but you kind of only have like a couple of cracks at it because, you know, you layer and the, the more layers you put on, it can wrinkle the paper. Uh, it gets darker. So if you go too dark, it's shot. You only get one chance at it. And uh, it's a really, really cool art form. I love it. I, I especially love her interpretation of it because her style is distinct and it's beautiful. So I'm super pumped about it uh, coming out. So it's, uh, I think they're going to be at Amazing Stories on the 19th, on the Saturday, uh, following the actual launch that it comes out from Diamond. And that's also huge too. Being part of Renegade allows them to have distribution through Diamond Distributors, which if you are unaware, supply every comic store in North America. So this is massive. They're able to get their hand, their work into the hands of people uh, who have comic stores all over our globe, which is really, really cool. So congratulations, you guys. I can't wait to read it. Super cool. All right, let's uh, throw things over to Craig and Hank. And then when we come back, uh, we are going to talk about our favorite bounty hunters. Hey everybody, this is Craig Siliphant for Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And it's the place where all the nerds gather to talk about all things creative. And right now I've got one of my favorite nerds with me, my uh, co-host, my co-pilot, my co-brother, Hank Cruz. How's it going, man? Did you just call me a nerd? Is that what happened? Yeah, I did, man. Own it. No, no I Take like it. I'm not back. 
you know what? I'll just pull, pull my nose a little. I'll talk like this the rest of the time. That's what a nerd sounds like. I think. I don't know. Mm, I think I'm I don't a know nerd. how a nerd sounds. Like. You know. You know what? I realized that uh, if you're a nerd, that means um, you've got the potential to be really rich because there's a lot of rich nerds now. Nerds are cool. Yeah. That's true. Like Joss Whedon, except for not Joss Whedon, because oh, I think he's canceled. Yeah, not him. But yeah, he's but, canceled. Uh, you know that kind of that kind of rich nerd, but but a nice one, not a jerk like him. Yeah, not a jerk. How about a no? I was gonna say Keanu Reeves, but he's not a nerd. No, he's, he's not a, a nice nerd. Guy. He's rich though. He's Super rich, rich and he's nice, but he's not really a nerd. We've got a few things today. Uh, we're going to talk a little book of Boba Fett and Euphoria season two on HBO. But I know you've got something else you wanted to hit before we got that far. Oh yeah, because I mentioned uh, last week that uh, the Dexter finale was airing, and then the finale of Mayor of Kingstown. And I don't think I've talked about the show on the radio yet. Um, but not to be confused started- with Mayor of. East Town. Uh, East Town. No, this is Mayor M A Y O R, not M A R E, of Kingstown. It stars Jeremy Renner as a flawed, off the books mediator between the prison system, police, inmates, street criminals. It's a dangerous job bringing order to a broken system, but he tries to do it. It's created by Hugh Dillon and Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan, of course, Yellowstone, and now he's making 45 spinoffs of Yellowstone. Uh, This gritty, powerful, and violent, super violent series showcases uh, corruption, racism, inequality in the Michigan city that has its entire economy, its entire way of life based around punishment and the prison system. I say it's like a modern day Yellowstone mixed with HBO's Oz. If you've ever seen HBO's Oz, uh, it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, check it out. It, uh, I gave it a 91 out of 100. Uh, one of the best shows of last year that uh, just ended now. Fantastic, but it is dark. <laughs> Super dark. Dark. Right on. Well, it sounds worth checking out. I don't know how... Uh, on, on another streaming service, get that Paramount Plus. All right. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't know. I, have, do you, I assume you have Paramount Plus. Oh, yeah, I got Paramount Plus because 1883, the other Taylor Sheridan show that's new, um, is only showing up on there right now. Right. So as soon as that's over, because there's nothing else on Paramount Plus other than this Mayor of Kingstown in okay, 1883, so, as right. soon as those are done, I'm going to cancel and then wait to see if they put out something. So it's not worth getting, and it's basically the Taylor, Taylor Sheridan multiverse uh, yeah. platform. Yep. Right on. Well, speaking of uh, platforms, uh, actually, you know what? Let's talk first about uh, Euphoria on HBO Ooh, yeah. season two. So we had season one a few years ago, actually. I'm not sure how much space was in between them, but it feels like it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, and then during the pandemic uh, and the throes of it anyway, uh, they did two bottle episodes, uh, one with uh, Zendaya, uh, her character Rue, who is a drug addict. Uh, she was basically in a diner with her sponsor for an, an hour and a half or an hour, however long it was. And then another episode with uh, Hunter Schaefer, the trans character on the show. Uh, and I actually didn't watch that one because the first one was so boring. Uh, the one with Zendaya. However, it is an awesome show. And season one was great, uh, but I barely remembered it when I started season two. I was having to piece a few things together and they didn't even, there, there was some exposition missing in that first episode of season two where they should have explained a couple of things and they didn't. But uh, but overall, it's very neat to see because Zendaya is now an A-list star, whereas before she was just a face that was popping up like as a side character in Spider-Man movies and, and stuff like that. Uh, and now her star has risen. And man, 
Like I've seen two episodes so far and especially the first episode, the second one settles in a little bit more to a groove, but the first episode is like so intense. Even the, the cold open where they kind of explain her drug dealer buddy and his little brother, like how they came to be. Uh, but just the whole episode is just like, even this isn't a spoiler, but there's a scene where like, maybe it's a bit of a spoiler, but there's a scene where like the character Cassie and I think Nate is the kind of big jock guy's name. They're like driving in a truck and she takes off her seatbelt and he's like pushing the pedal to the metal. And I was like, oh my God, like they're going to crash and she's going to die or something like, and then nothing really happens. It's just, but the scene itself was just so intense, even though like they don't end up having it. That's the spoiler part. They don't end up crashing the car, but like uh, just that whole, the whole episode is filled with that kind of intensity. Uh, I think it's a little bit, it gets a little super goth emo over the top, like melodramatic at times, but for something like, which I don't normally like, but in this case, I think it fits well. And the show is so dark and intense that like, you don't usually feel it veering into that melodramatic territory too hard. Uh, overall, like so far, just two episodes in, like I'm really happy to connect with some of these really messed up characters again. And, and, uh, and like every character is, is interesting in their own, in their own way, whether it's, uh, you know, Rue or Cassie or the, uh, the girl that, that did the uh, webcam uh, videos last year. I forget her, her character's name, but uh, you know, she's an interesting character too. So what do you, uh, what's your take on Euphoria so far? Well, that, uh, that first episode of the season was quite shocking. It was, uh, but it's back to being, um, I would say the most intense show on television right now. Yeah. Um, but I had to go back and look because I couldn't remember, like, there's this one part where this, uh, uh, they get into this fight and this one guy's pummeling the other. And I'm like, why again? Are yeah, we why doing this? That so I had was... to go back and look. I'm like, why is this guy mad at this guy? I'm like, oh, so I did a little little reading uh, before I continued the episode there because, yeah, I forgot a bunch of stuff. But uh, yeah. holy cow, but they're still doing it. Even just the dark colors in the show and the different tones and everything and the, and the background, uh, just the, the music and the sounds. I'm like, oh my God, is this the most tense show uh, out there? It's, uh, it's quite the watch, yeah. Yeah, it's quite well shot too. And I'll say actually, I think it's just mo mostly in that first episode, but like they must have spent a lot of money on music drops because there's a lot of great music in that first episode, but it just, it comes pretty fast and furious. And yeah, I'd agree with you. You know, if you're a fan of the show and you haven't started season two, go watch a recap first, because I, that's exactly what I was talking about. The same scene with, uh, uh, with th those two characters fighting. I was like, why does that guy hate that guy? Again? I don't remember, but so yeah, overall. And then I remembered and went, you keep punching him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, check that one out. Now we've only got about like a minute or so, but uh, we want to touch on Book of Boba Fett, which we can, you know, touch on again as it goes a little further. Uh, so far, it's been pretty good. It's like, you know, it's, I don't, I'm not really over the moon about some of these series the way some people are, but they're, you know, they're quality. Uh, they're doing some interesting things with the character himself and sort of reinventing him, really. The thing that I would like that I had to call attention to is I think it was the third episode. And they have these like, this is like gang that he sort of recruits of these young punk like cyborg kids and they're very cheesy and they drive like these multicolored like speeder bikes that are not cool speeder bikes they look more like 1950s scooters or something and they really like recreate the scene almost from back to the future like and back to the future too where he's like chasing them in the car on the skateboard and then he, he ends up hitting the back of the dung truck i think it was like a, some kind of fruit in boba fett but like I was like, what, like, it just felt so out of place. I'm like, where did this come from? Why is this here? This cheesy, like, 
chase with these cheesy characters in this like world that's otherwise like there's stormtroopers heads on pikes and then suddenly they're doing this weird cheesy thing but uh but overall it's been interesting so far and i'm i'm engaged you I, uh, again, I'm not the biggest fan of all things Star Wars, so uh, my, my opinion is from more of the outside than the inside, and I, uh, I've been entertained, the kids have been entertained. Um, I, yeah, the speeder bikes, like whatever they were doing were kind of dumb, and him even saying, oh, now you work for me, or whatever, like, yeah. uh, okay, like, what are these kids gonna do for but uh, all right. Um, but overall, uh, I'd say it's, it's watchable, and I'm gonna keep watching, I like it. Yeah, I like the big, uh, the big like gladiator Wookie is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I hope to see more of and, him. And that's uh, actually my uh, my daughter, uh, who was much older than my son. She got scared. Yeah, like I don't want to be around. It's like, oh, nah, nah. and like, and then my son, a lot younger, is like, cool. I'm like, yes, please. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, that's Chewie's brother right there. He's fine. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's our time. We're going to have to throw back to Jody here, but maybe we'll catch up uh, with Book of Boba Fett again. We didn't get a lot of chance to talk about it here, but uh, we'll see how the series goes as it progresses. So that's it for me and Hank. We're going to throw you back to Jody here on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. Goodbye. All right. Thank you, fellas. So let's piggyback on the idea of bounty hunters. You didn't get to talk about as much about Boba Fett as they had hoped. So I'm sure we will hear more in subsequent episodes, but I've been hearing a lot about Boba Fett at the store and uh, Star Wars fans are a different breed. They are never happy. Like they're happy that new stuff is out, but they're never happy with it. They've always got like some thing that's wrong. And it's like, just enjoy it. It's just more. So just take it at that. I think season one of Mandalorian came the closest I'd ever seen as sort of an outsider to this, but listening to the real Star Wars heads, you know, sort of do what you were saying they do. Mandalorian season one seemed to be like a, a nerd pleaser. Oh yeah, no, Mandalorian has held up. It's, they love it. But this new book of Boba Fett has really created a lot of controversy because I mean, there's, there's only like three or four episodes in so far and people are like, well, he's not like the badass that he is in Star Wars. And it's like, well, he has like two lines in the original trilogy. Like he, how do you even know he's bad? You don't really know. You know, he's a bounty hunter. You don't know that he's bad. He's just making a living like any bounty hunter. So anyhow. He was actually, he was he was way more badass than the Mandalorian, actually. Like I, I'm a big Boba Fett fan, but in Star Wars, he stood around and looked cool. And that was like his mystery. But in Mandalorian, he actually had way more action. So there you go. He's a compelling character. And bounty hunters are compelling characters because they have a hard job to do. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they have to like really make judgments of humanity and morality on the spot. Pretty much every Western is a bounty hunter movie. It just, it feels like, but there's a few that really stand out that we're going to talk about today. And we started rewatching as many bounty hunter movies as we could recently, just to kind of get a feel for this. So one that we rewatched was Jonah Hex from 2010. So yes, this is DC at its finest with a little Western. And this one stars Josh Brolin in the title role as Jonah Hex. John Malkovich is the heavy in this one. And it also has an early role for Michael Fassbender. It is packed full of like stars actually. It really is. Yeah, a lot of faces. Yeah. I had always heard that this was super panned. It's terrible. 
but we enjoyed it. It was fun. And I think that's, it's just the, the old story, right? DC, just take it with a grain of sand. Don't get so uptight if it's not like perfect canon. Just go along for the ride and enjoy what you get. And Jonah Hex was pretty good. I can see why people didn't like it in 2010. If you thought you were seeing a Western, you didn't get necessarily exactly what you came for. If you thought you were seeing some DC comic book adaptations, you didn't really get that either. It, this movie is kind of its own thing. It is. It's its own genre. It, it was fun. Supernatural bounty hunter Western, I guess. What do you, what do you think of uh, Jonah Hex, Brennan? You like well, it, right? I, I need to rewatch it. I, okay, Jonah Hex is actually one of my all-time favorite comic book heroes. Like Jonah Hex, Ambush Bug, Liberty Bell. Like that's my, that's my, that's my jam. Um, I saw this in the theater. I didn't mind it. And same thing. It was kind of fun and campy. There might be some people who still remember that Clint Eastwood was being in, in discussion to do a Jonah Hex movie back in the 80s or something, and he kind of wanted to step back. So if you were hoping for like a cool Clint Eastwood Jonah Hex, and instead you got the one that came out, I might see why you're disappointed. It was fun. I kind of I kind of liked it, but I haven't rewatched it since you did. So I might have to go check it out. You should. I think that's still on Netflix. Like I think so. Yeah, you can eight, check. 80 minutes. It's, it's, yeah, it's a palatable 80 minutes. You we know? don't pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes, but I think it has a score in the, in the teens. <laughs> and I think it only made back a quarter of its budget. Oh, yeah, that's rough. So I, maybe, maybe there's another life for it. Okay, well, let's take your Clint Eastwood tangent and we'll go to two movies that I want to mention on the Bounty Hunter list. One of them being the good the bad and the ugly classic man with no name he is a bounty hunter and he also has this con that he runs he's he's the good uh, and he has this thing that he runs with the ugly where the ugly has a bounty on his head he catches him turns him into the law when they're about to hang him he shoots the rope and sets him free and then of course he escapes and the bounty goes up and then he catches them again and they keep repeating this until eventually they part company for a multitude of reasons, but it's amazing. It's a great little take on bounty hunting. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to mention with Clint is the outlaw Josie Wales. And this is a really good character study. It's a little bit different because he's the hunted in this one, not the hunter. And uh, it's really, really good. I Plus really you got a whole Civil War backdrop in that one, right? You do, yeah. which is always good. Back to Josh Brolin. So Jonah Hex, then from there we uh, leapfrogged over to No Country for Old Men, which is amazing. I love this movie for so many reasons. The Coens are just great. It's a wonderful story. The performances are all on point. And yeah, it's about this regular Joe who stumbles onto a deal gone wrong and finds some money and then tries to like take it and get away with it. So people are going to track down their lost money. So there's a couple of different uh, characters who are out there hunting down Josh Brolin's character to try to get this money back. And so you get some different looks at their process of how they do business. And it is Awesome. If you haven't seen this, you need to see this. I, I think that one and Hateful Eight are probably the two best 21st century bounty hunter movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because this is not a theme that gets returned to too much in modern cinema and series, but it, you know, it, it used to be 
kind of a go-to. It was very common. That's true. Yeah. Um, Hateful Eight is starts with wintry scene. A bounty hunter has just caught his bounty and is bringing her back to town and is stopped by another bounty hunter who has his uh, quarry and needs a ride. And they end up getting stranded in this wayward station with some other ne'er-do-wells. And uh, yeah, it's a character study. It could be a play because it pretty much is in like one location for the whole movie. Quentin Tarantino shot this beautifully on film. The outdoor scenes are gorgeous. They really play back to that old fashioned like Western where they have these huge vistas of beautiful mountains and horses galloping through the snow. It's, it's gorgeous. There's a lot of beautiful moments in this movie, even if you're not into like the violence part of it. Yeah, and another great 21st century bounty movie that I forgot about. I don't know if you can count it as 21st century because it's a, a remake, but True Grit, 2010, 1969, really both amazing. So good. Again, another Cohen uh, did the re remake of True Grit. First one had John Wayne in it, so it's very notable for that. They're really different movies, even though they're identical movies, they're very different in tone, but both are wonderful and, and really good. And it's the story of a young girl whose father's been murdered and she needs somebody to track him down and, and bring the murderer to justice. And so she hires Rooster Coburn, who is a drunkard, a bit of a fool, but tough as nails, Marshall. Uh, to do the job and both both stories are different but both are really good and both are wor worth watching and i guess we can't talk about the coen brothers and bounty hunter movies without mentioning 1987's raising arizona which again is, you experience the bounty hunter through the point of view of the hunted classic nicholas cage performance Th this is when we thought nicholas cage was getting kooky and weird <laughs> I mean, he is still kooky and weird, but he was really kind of at his pinnacle. Uh, in this one, uh, him and his wife kidnap a baby because she's born. And uh, then like the family whose baby has disappeared hires Lenny, this horrible biker from hell who has a tattoo that says like, mama didn't love me. And uh, the scenes have great comic effect and are really awesome and are classic, uh, classic Coen brothers. Yeah, and of course, if you like a little comedy with your bounty hunting, then uh, I think Midnight Run, 1988, uh, Robert De Niro and Charles, Charles Grodin. What makes this movie great is the chemistry between De Niro and Grodin. Grodin is awesome. He is a funny, funny dude and is really underrated. He is especially great in this one. He's a bookkeeper for the mob I believe in this and he's supposed to come back to testify or something and so uh, De Niro is tasked with getting him back safely without him being murdered. Yeah and probably one of Yafet Koto's best performances in that movie too. He plays the FBI agent who's tracking the same man as De Niro's character so it's that thing we've talked about a few times before where you got several bounty hunters competing for the same bounty. Yes which is good. Um, we're running out of time, but I did want to just quickly mention Django Unchained uh, from 2012 and from 1974, Truck Turner, which isn't a great movie, but has an outstanding soundtrack because Isaac Hayes is Truck Turner. 
It's awesome. All right. Jackie Brown and Out of Sight. Go, go check out those two, both based on Elmore Leonard books. Yes. Out of Some of the so, same characters even in those two stories, I think. Uh, could be, but I mean, Out of Sight is more of a, a George Clooney's a bank robber. Jennifer Lopez is an FBI agent and she's going after him. It's more of a chase kind of movie. But when I saw that, I was like, wow, Jennifer Lopez can act. And people forget she was actually in a really, really good movie. So go check that one out. See, I would say Jack, uh, Jackie Brown is more of a heist movie. Mm, fair. Well, bounty hunter element. But to be fair, he is a he is a bail bondsman, right? Bail's, that's, that's what I was thinking of. So that's, that's, anyway. that's kind of, about he talks about how he will go out of state to chase down yeah. certain people if if need be so if dog the bounty hunter is a bounty hunter then uh, certainly max cherry is a bounty hunter all right that wraps up our time thanks for tuning in and uh we'll be back at you next friday at 6 p.m in the meantime keep your dukes off